there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. If Alan Shearer Mm. keeps you up, what happens if you'd want a big ripple effect here, I would say that Rafa Benitez keeping us up led to Newcastle getting taken over. And, and that's the problem of the Mike Ashley thing, because no matter how hard people tried, they couldn't turn their back on Newcastle. How can you possibly remove yourself from this without turning your back on football altogether? I'm still not turning my back on the club, but I'm certainly not going to you know, bend over and start twerking for a, a regime, because that, that's not happening. That ain't what I do. Is there this superstar manager that you would like? Is there anyone in your mind? What? How do you see the future of the management position? Rags to Matt Ritchie is what we call it. <laughs> Rags to Matt, very good. Well, there we go, we've got our title. Rags to Matt Ritchie. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Ripple Effect with me, James Lawrence Alcott, and once again joined by Emil Franchi from the True Faith Newcastle United podcast uh, and all sorts of other things uh, as well. But most importantly, and most prevalent right now, obviously, Newcastle United, because the Newcastle takeover, I think, is likely to go down as one of the defining moments of the Premier League. I think it will be that big. I mean, it has to be, right? The money behind it, who the owners are, their status and what it means for Newcastle, they're all things that are going to sort of pique the interest of Premier League fans. It provides a lot of discussion as well, but also football fans from around the world and maybe even non-football fans, such as the magnitude of what Newcastle could become with what feels like endless wealth behind them. But what does this mean for everyone involved and how did this happen to begin with In this episode of The Ripple Effect, we're going to dive deep into the takeover and analyse every aspect of it. And importantly, talk about what occurs if Newcastle get where they want to be this season, which is into the Champions League and have Champions League football as well. We've just done a podcast, uh, which is already out on the feed, where you can. uh, we've sort of gone through the runners and riders for the Champions League, which is really, really interesting stuff. But this one, it's all Newcastle, mm. Emil. So you're, you're sorted, aren't you? You know what you're talking about oh, this, here. They'll be, they'll be easy, this one. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, let's, <laughs> let's go. So with the ripple effect, what we often do is kind of go, what's led us to today? And then we talk about what could be in the future. Um, so let's go backwards first. Before the takeover, I think, give us a, could you give us a kind of snapshot of the sort of landscape of what it was like to be a Newcastle United fan, because I think there's something there that will inevitably get lost as time goes on of, of just, I mean, the word excruciating comes to mind for me. If For the Newcastle fans that I knew, it just felt so apathetic. It was a very, and again, it's funny, isn't it? It all feels rosy now. And as someone who's really struggling with that himself at the moment with QPR and how much they're struggling, mm. um, take us back to that time. If you're, you know, if that's okay. 
the therapy for me. Shaking yeah, in yeah, a corner yeah. here. Um, you know, uh, uh, my my formative years, is that right? Maybe my, my best years of wanting to support Newcastle United <laughs> right. were, were tainted by um, that feeling around Newcastle United. So my, my memory goes back to about 2000, 2001, probably when I first started becoming aware of football. And I'm really glad that I got that little bit of Bobby Robson in charge thinking, well, this is Newcastle United. We're, we're brilliant, aren't we? Mm. Look, I'm celebrating. I'm already watching us in the Champions League. I'm, I'm too young to remember Keegan, even though I was alive. Uh, but, you know, you're aware that Newcastle were good, had a bit of a bad spell. Now they're back. And then Graham Souness. Oh, like, Jesus, like <laughs> that <laughs> happens. Um, and that, that was the slow rot of Newcastle starting to set in. That, that was where it all kind of began. Um, you know, Freddie Shepard as, as the chairman, weird things happening like Michael Owen coming to Newcastle United and me thinking, oh, OK, maybe maybe it's not all bad. Yeah. Uh, oh, wait, no, it is. <laughs> and then we get sold to Mike Ashley. And you think, great, takeovers in football, all the rage right now. Surely this is a good thing for the club. And, and what was the feeling around Mike Ashley when he came in? Some people turned their back immediately, right. thinking this guy, you know, he he doesn't know football. He's a sports shop owner. What's he going to do? You know, that's not what we wanted. Newcastle United is, you know, that, that Cockney Mafia idea came yeah. in and, and all of that business. Oh, he's a Tottenham fan. He's going he's gonna to ruin us. Um, but I remember the first game after he was in charge was Sam Allardyce at the, at the helm. It was a 3-0 win at Bolton. And suddenly we were like, oh, top of the league, first game. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. And yeah, after that, one bad thing after another. Sam Allardyce leaves. Kevin Keegan comes back and everyone thinks, wow, you know, um... We, we win 5-1 the night that that's announced in the FA Cup and suddenly all hunky-dory. But in your back of your mind, you're thinking, something not quite right here. It's mm. just, you know, we are getting worse. We are being stripped of everything. You know, we, we didn't have the, the luxury of Alan Shearer anymore. We were trying people like Oberfemi Martins and, you know, mercenaries, you might think, who were coming to the club and slowly going. And and then we get to Joe Kinnear. And that leads to Alan Shearer, and then that leads to not one but two relegations, really, over over the space of, of that time. And Joe Kinnear was when I was like, "Oh, okay, no, <laughs> no, okay, we've got we're we're in funny yeah. waters here." That was yeah, that was because you sometimes that's the thing with with owners is you you need with anything you kind of to really make a judgment on things you need sort of data mm. and and you know that can come in sort of well, we the different managers that you have Dennis Wise and the backroom staff and and all sorts of nonsense going on it just wasn't right and look we had we had a resurgence we had the Alan Pardew years where we did qualify for the Europa League and we had that brilliant season it just happened to be the first time I actually got a season ticket so I timed that really well um but even then you know I got my season ticket because it was cut price because and and this is the mad thing as well. Four games in, Newcastle were doing a lot better than than they should have been. Um, Denver Bar was was firing on all cylinders, and Mike Ashley said, "Well, um, we're doing well. Does anyone want to come and watch it? I'm going to half the price of all season tickets." And I got a great seat, me and my mate, and it was like, "Oh, fantastic! This is." Well, I mean, that sounds like be. a nice thing, doesn't it? Well, every every single time though, it was just a sweetener. And and the one thing that I would say sums up Mike Ashley's period of Newcastle: it was there's always something round the corner. And none of this is for sure. You know, this this is not how it's meant to be. Mm. What you're meant to expect with Mike Ashley in charge is, you know, uh, shoestring budgets, not much idea of a football mind, 
hence the, the joke and thing in there. But, you know, often we'd get something which was reactionary and worked so well, like, oh, like getting Rafa Benitez as our manager at some point after he'd left Real Madrid. <laughs> it's like, whoa, right, hang on, this, this is, and that's it. The, you know how they have those banter threads on, um, on Twitter and stuff, the banter era of Newcastle United, the entirety of Mike Ashley's era, very much in there. Yeah. Everything that happened, it was just like, right, this this is weird. This is not how it is, but... I think, it, I guess one thing I would say is now, to be kind to, to Mike Ashley, I think there's one thing where you can kind of go, now you would, I would expect the sort of flip-flopping of, of managers and who they are and what they provide, I think is actually kind of dangerous. I actually think you should have a better strategy than that. And the profile of the manager... Although it might not feel as exciting as you want it to be, I think certainly in terms of style of football, you should you generally should be there should be an idea behind it. You know, are you are you a, a who's an example? I mean, again, look, this doesn't always work out, but going getting young, exciting managers, or you know, or having certain managers that have a certain style of play. You know, Brentford probably a good example of that is like they kind of knew where they were going a lot of the time. With with Newcastle, it was kind of always a bit confused you're sort of going down one road then the other road and actually another thing I almost to go further back than that you know I'm not from Newcastle the the bubble of for people who don't know about Newcastle in terms of you know so we've got some American listeners or, or we, need, whoever. we need to get you start saying Newcastle by the way Newcastle yeah you'll get sorry I'm, yeah sorry you'll endear yourself to the mall yeah there. Newcastle uh, <laughs> what's what is it like to be a Newcastle fan Newcastle fan yes in Newcastle well, um, because I think that it, there's this thing where it's got, I've certainly seen this from comments from people when they would get frustrated with the sort of media perception or this media perception of Newcastle. New, I'm going to go Newcastle. <laughs> right, let's move on. Newcastle <laughs> fans. I'm not from Newcastle. Uh, Is that a ripple effect? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Why not? End up buying a house in Newcastle. But it's, yeah, just so I can say the word properly. Yeah. <laughs> there's this. It does feel like you're you're out of the way, mm, yeah. uh, in, you know, in the kindest way. Are you and and what is so again? What is Newcastle and being a Newcastle fan? What's it like there? Because I, I think where you're going is really exciting, obviously. But what's kind of funny with it is people going, "Oh, hang on, that's not a team in London. That's mm. not a team in Manchester." And it makes you guys unique. Yeah, I think I think Newcastle have got a bit of a an Italian quality to it. You know, like. I guess in the way that Napoli are supported, okay, it's definitely not like partying on the street, but that night of the takeover happening was probably the closest we're going to get. If Newcastle had won the League Cup or if they ever get close to that again, you're probably going to see scenes similar to the, the Maradona film, I always say. People driving through, oh, goal. blaring. Uh, oh, goal. <laughs> goal my, word. Um, my, my word. Yeah, again, don't forget another banter era. We signed a player called Santiago <laughs> Munoz for the sake of signing a player called Santiago Munoz who played no minutes for Newcastle, one of Mike Ashley's final acts. Um, and was they? And that is just totally aligned, not coincidence. It's like, I don't might know. as well. He's gone back to Mexico now. We, I feel sorry for the lad. The, just... the fact that that's the only thing you can cling on to. We, we, bought, the, all, we really. bought the guy from Gull. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, um, to be a Newcastle fan, not, not to go all wishy-washy with it, but there is a fan base there that very much rely on the match to be the making or breaking of their week. Mm. Newcastle is a working-class team, much like your Liverpools. I was going to say Liverpool. Is, is there that connection there? I think I think so, yeah. yeah. And, and Everton as well. You know, all these really well-supported teams who have a bit of a siege mentality about it when it comes to the rest of the UK. Um, 
And your own culture. Yeah, yeah. We are, you know, the not that I've ever done a hard work day in my life, you know, I barely use my hands. But, you know, shipbuilders, all that kind of thing. Go to the match was what you spent your money on, pub with your mates, and then back to work. Seeing Newcastle do well is part of that. And I think that these, these instances where Newcastle have had uh, a sweet spot, that's almost like a, a an added bonus to it. You know, we, we've had the, the 1969 success and then not to have anything for so long, it just it grinds you down. So sure. when you are given these sudden flashes in Kevin Keegan doing what he did, yeah. um, Bobby Robson taking us back to the Champions League and, and getting into the Europa League. When you're in there. the room, isn't it? Like, oh, I yeah. think that's a different, you know, say, you know, QPR have never got, we've not been in the room really like, for long enough even like, in, in the same house well no yeah exactly well like, i mean since i was i became a fan in 1993 we were the top london club we were fifth and it's just gone duh, 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 duh. yeah and and being in that room that's that can become a problem for for you in terms of what you you know what you want to do but for you guys because that's the thing as well i think with newcastle is that people don't understand they struggle to sort of clutch onto what big i hate the whole big debate but it is an it's a huge club in terms of this sort of passion per fan, I think. You know, you've got both the size of that fan base, but also the need that they have for their t- and love they have for their for their team and their desire for that team to do well. And and that's the problem of the Mike Ashley thing because no matter how hard people tried, they couldn't turn their back on Newcastle. And here comes my first jab. Sunderland fans very much went down and didn't turn up. You know, same same goes with Middlesbrough up there. That's that's why Newcastle have this this thing there. And I'm not saying anyone's better than anyone, but. We could have done that when we went down in the championship, but we had soon record attendances. The one good thing that Mike Ashley did was make sure we didn't stay in the championship because he knew that was, okay, it was a bit of a backward mentality to do, but he would not let Newcastle fall because that would lose him money. And the one so, thing I would say, just to be fair, is that Sunderland and Middlesbrough, I mean, Middlesbrough bounced back a bit more. Sunderland continued to lose in oh, the no, championship. Oh, no, I know. Whereas Newcastle, yeah. you, you, you had a great season yeah. that season you were down. And Yeah, we did, we did. But we didn't expect it. And that first time when we went down and Chris Hewton was manager, mm. everyone was like, oh, God, I don't actually know what's yeah. going to happen here. But, like, you know, Sunderland going down, it was it was horrific the way that Ellis Short pulled out. And then they were, you know, they had Cowboys come in like like Stuart Donald and, and Charlie Meth, and we've all seen it on Netflix. You know, mm. that, that was a horrific situation. But Do you think I, there's anything in getting away with, you get away with that more so because you're in the north northeast? Do you think there's anything in that? Get away just with what? Go, with going outrageously or? bad owners. I, I don't know. I mean, look, there's, there's there's been some horrendous stuff. I mean, Leeds again sure. are another one that have had it. Is it just a th- is it a postcode thing? Is that <laughs> what it is? We yeah. can't get it. I I don't know. I I think that you know the, the the fact that we didn't turn our backs, but then a lot of people accepted free season tickets. Mm. It was kind of like we'll we'll take the the good out of this very bad situation. Um, oh, I don't, it's really hard to define what it was like at the time, but it just seems like such a, you know, it's mad what's happened. Yeah. I think it's a, it's just that never-ending craving for something, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And I think, you know, in terms of fans walking away, as much as anything, it was it was a very odd spin that you, certain pundits would make where it's, well, he's kept you up, mm. you know, when oh, he did come yeah. up. And it was just like, well, no, it doesn't, that's not enough. We we got shots in the arm though, that was it. That was, we we got those bits. So yeah, okay, Alan Pardew, I mean, who wants that? But then we got the good stuff. And, you know, yeah. a lot of people retrospectively will look back and go, well, actually, you know what, Pardew was quite a good manager because he was into it. Mm. You know, you saw him at the time where Derby's giving it all on the touchline and okay, there was some questionable stuff like headbutting players again and <laughs> all that mad stuff that happened. Um, um, 
But yeah, we went on and, you know, if, if you want a big ripple effect here, I would say that Rafa Benitez keeping us up led to Newcastle getting taken over. He saw what the actual long-term effect was going to be. He yeah. was there when Amanda Stavely first visited the ground. He was there. He had a bit of a, a twinkle in his eye when asked about what was going on. And it was almost as though Rafa knew as if to be like, if I keep this team up, it may not be me, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if I stay here... But I want it to be me. I would I would love for it to be me, <laughs> yeah. but if it's not, I'm going to make sure. And, and you know what? There's the connection. It was the fact that you know Newcastle on the final day beating Tottenham 5-1 after eight games or so with Rafa in charge mm. made him stay. And yeah. we suddenly saw Rafa Benitez being in the championship. I think that the fan base did their job with that one, and, and that's what helps. And for all of the bad that was there during Mike Ashley, there was just still something that we had hope and I think that that was the thing through the, through that darkness it was shining the brightest of it all we yeah. were just like you know what if we just hang on if we just stay up again one more relegation fight and okay we had to go through the whole Steve Bruce thing and I can't believe that that happened. You know, it was such a long wait between. Rafa was I there. Feel like a fever Man, dream now. It's just like, yeah. And I mean, again, COVID being involved in all that didn't help. Um, but we'll get onto the takeover saga, won't we? Yeah. The last one on, on in more of the past. Just off the top of your head. Probably put you in trouble here, but good luck. If um, if Alan Shearer mm. keeps you up, what happens? What do you think would have occurred? Like, you know, I think he wouldn't have got the job. He, he, he said don't think he, he would have got the job. Well, he said himself he was offered the job. Like Shearer said, you know, he it was all in place, and he's never had the phone call back from Mike Ashley to this day. Right. So that, that's the thing. I don't think that there was any any loyalty there from Mike Ashley and all of that. It's like, okay, we could have Shearer, but I guess he's just become available and, you know, there'll be, there'll be some manager that, that might have been there at the time. Um, Do you think you've retained a hero there? Because I think what's dangerous sometimes is when a, a guy that you, you love inevitably comes back and they come back because we're all stupid and we all go, oh, well, he, he knows the club mm. <laughs> and like he gets it. But it's, I think getting it and caring is probably pretty much the same thing uh, a lot of the time. I think that the walking away was better, though. And and yeah, you're right. But that's it, why I think you've hung on to a hero there somehow. I, but the thing is, though, that, that, that that's it. So Keegan walked away. He was like, I'm not happy with this. I know what the fans are like, so I'm going. But would Keegan have been a great appointment had he stayed on a few more years? Probably not. You know, I think that by that point, we're never going to get back to what he was doing. Yeah, football moved then. on a bit. Shearer as well. Could have kept us up, could have done well in the championship with us. But, you know, Chris Hutton ended up being a great manager. And the thing is, with all of those managers, I don't think anyone looks back and goes, we don't like what you did. Um, Shearer would have stayed, but he would have been a big opponent of Ashley. And it would have been a matter of time until he went for saying the wrong thing. Likewise with Benitez, he he made the point and he was that that press conference thing, like like he did at Liverpool, you know, he'll allude to the stuff that's going on behind the scenes and say, I'm not happy, wink, wink, um, what's going to happen with this? And eventually, you know, that came crashing down, but he served his contract, he did it to the end. Um, there's very few people who, who Newcastle fans will look at and go, you were a problem. Mm. But then there were there were pure mouthpieces for that, that regime, which we didn't like. So Mike actually did finally sell, by the way, guys, which is great. And uh, for Newcastle United fans, and probably not great for the rest of the Premier League. And he sold for a reported $415 million. And that sort of $450 million price tag compares to $270 million that was paid for Everton in 2016. 136 paid by Serbian billionaire Dragan Solak and investment firm Sport Republic for an 80% control of... Southampton. Why 
did he s- decide to sell at that point? Because prior to that, there had been sort of, you know, flirting going on. And in 2017, the, the first um, time, uh, Ashley pulled the plug on it after three months with no deal in place, describing the process as a complete waste of time. Mm. So why do you think he finally decided to sell? Well, I mean, he, he there was talk that Newcastle could have been Man City. Ashley could have sold us to, to Sheikh Mansour. And it was one of his classic meeting mess-ups by either being late or hungover or something along those lines. Right. That there, was, there, was, there was a thing that went wrong. So that could have been us. And then there was a few who were, let's say, dodged bullets, I think. Um, there was the guys who potentially nearly took over um, Derby, the, the Bin Zayed group, you might remember, who ended up being a waste of time as well. Um, Mike Ashley did always say that he wouldn't sell unless it was the right person to sell to. Um you know, probably for the money rather than the fact that we now are owned by by Saudi Arabian <laughs> state, um, apparently, um, or or fully. Who knows? Who knows where we are on that one? But mm. the, you know, Mike Ashley did say he would sell to make sure that Newcastle were safe and future proof. You know, they, they could compete. So, how much of that you believe? How much of that you think did he want to, or did he just see the money? He's ended up selling us to the most. You know, yeah. I, I just I, I can't believe how he's managed to do it. It's like it was almost like he saw it as a parting gift. It's it's certainly not going to get him off the hook any any less. You know, we still hate what happened because, as is proving now, if you put a little bit of money into the team or just go for the right players and install a good manager, then look what could happen. It's mm. like, well, Mike, what do you want? Do you want do you want to just make money because we could do well? You know, why didn't you invest in the team straight after we got into Europe? You know, why didn't you try harder with that? You know, did you ever enjoy this? You know, was there any bit? Cuz that's the thing is I'm kind of like you know, he's he's ruthless, isn't he? He's clearly a ruthless biz- businessman. So that kind of puts away the incomp- the idea of being incompetent. Which then makes it re- even oh, business, uglier. Business-wise, he was probably fantastic and a dream for mm. what you want for balancing the books. And it's helped us out a lot with the initial transfer funds, you know, yeah. all about this FFP and everything. And I think that really we, we, we left with a clean slate. So brilliant on that front. Just why couldn't we have balanced it out better with the football? And so, yeah, so that that ugly... Well, the, I mean, look... I think you've got to be careful with 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 spending money because look at Everton. You know, we did a great podcast with Baz from Toffee TV talking about the money that they spent and how woeful it was. And you can spend too much and get it wrong, and then you're nowhere. Um, but Chelsea as well, no, you know, yeah, th- yeah, throwing it at the wall, see what sticks. But weirdly, you know, that um, strangling of of you know money going out at least was that sort of the, the biggest positive that he he left, and it meant that. Do you think you were chosen based on that fact more so than anything else? Uh, no, I, I think that Amanda Stabley already had like a bit of a connection to the North East. Okay, it was North Yorkshire, but she was aware of it. And I think her dad was a fan of Newcastle. I can't remember now. Um, the, the theme park owner, which I love. I used to go to that theme park and now it's like, <laughs> really? brilliant. Yeah, it's, I think it's closed now, but still, it was uh, just like school trips and then all of a sudden this, this woman owns your club. Um, but yeah, I think that, Newcastle were there for the taking with with any big takeover. You know, we if it hadn't have been this one, there might have been another one. Mm. We just now happen to have the most wealthy one, yeah. which is a lovely thing to have, even if it means that there's a, a big question mark over it completely forever now. Man City are dealing with it, though. 
we're going to have to try and sail through those stormy waters, which is which is fine to sail through because you know there's no getting away from that and and how football is. But Man United fans might have to deal with the same dilemmas in a, in a few weeks after maybe condemning ours, and then you know it's, yeah. it's different when you're in the room, as you say. It's amazing. It's weird, and yeah. I you know I did interviews on the day of the takeover, and it's like, what do you think of this? And I'm like. Well, we've that's got, my next question. We've got Matt Ritchie at left back, please. Yeah. Take my money. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I want to ask you about that. But I, I, one thing I will say is that I think in terms of an appetising club to, to get involved with, you know, I can't think of a I can't think of a better one. You know, Manchester has said in the past that they tried to purchase Liverpool and I, I kind of get that. And obviously, maybe for some similar kind of romantic reasons because there, there is that they kind want, of They wanted rich history. They wanted yeah. rich history and almost I think that... The one thing that I, I think Amanda Stavely and Medad Gudusi, her husband, have been very good at, and they did this last year when they were very much the the front of this this the, the face of it. They tapped into the nostalgia. They tapped into the sentimentality. They almost became bigger fans than anyone who was going to come in was going to be. You know, they embraced everything. They'd turn up to every game, whether it was like an under-21s or the women's team who've already had a massive resurgence because Amanda Stavely wanted that. They tapped into every little bit to say, right, we're going to be there. Are you going to be there? Because if Mm. you are and we're there and then Eddie Howe's here as well, we're going to do this together. And that is the the biggest shift. It's It's the strength between every single aspect of the club now is working in the same direction. They're pulling together. Whereas, you know, with Everton, they might have passion on the pitch like they did last season. Um, They might have, when Lampard was there, him flying the flag being like, we can do this, but Mm. everyone knows that the owner's not doing that. Whereas now everyone knows the same thing. And that's what was so different with Mike Ashley. He was the one cog, if you like, that that wasn't pulling in the same way. Just so happened to be the biggest one. Mm. I think think that's a really difficult thing is that there is... there isn't any other word. There's no word between uh, connection and sports washing. Like there is this that, that that hot word is right there, right? And you're again, depending on your preference on it, is your understandably to a point. You could suggest that we're being naive if you know if you allow for those redeeming features to be acknowledged because. Because of where the money comes from, yeah. you know, and, you know, the legal assurances when the, the takeover occurred, again, all of this is, you never know how murky or not murky it is, but it says, you know, legally binding assurances that the Saudi state would not control the football club. And For me, for me, it's, it's, it's how the questions were laid out at the fans' doorsteps. You know, we the, the, the takeover process, mm-hmm. it started April 2020 mm-hmm. and it took until October 2021. That's how long Newcastle were kind of sitting on this. And we were exhausted. It took many things of people backtracking and saying, oh, this, that and the other. But then when it happened, it happened so quickly. You didn't even have a, a minute to stop for breath. And then all of a sudden it was like, so did Newcastle support this regime? And it's like, well, no, obviously not. I don't, you know, but yeah. ne- neither am I an expert on these things. Yes, of course, it's absolutely atrocious, the stuff that happens. And, you know, just because I'm suddenly wearing a black and white shirt a team that I've supported all my life it doesn't horrible. mean that I am, you know, wearing, you know, forgive and forget yeah. on my on my top. <laughs> um, it's it's just I was thinking, right, this is the future of my club. We're going to have some questions here, but we can definitely answer them. The bit that doesn't sit well with me is don't bring a Saudi flag to the game. 
it's just it's just dim. It's it's just a yeah, stupid yeah, thing yeah. to do. It's like how don't give them an easy target for us to be like, oh look at all these. And lo and behold, it happened at the cup final. There was Saudi flags there, and it's like. Okay, right. Okay, don't turn up in headdresses. Right, okay. Oh, prominent people who 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 like to talk about Newcastle are suddenly wearing it. It's like, guys, come like, on, can yeah. we not? And then all of a sudden, you know, you see like news stories, and it's like, oh, stop attacking Newcastle fans. And it's like, oh, you know, executions happening here. And it's like, why are Newcastle fans in the replies of that defending it, saying stop attacking Newcastle fans? No one is attacking you, and mm. there's your sports washing in action. I was asked, you know, would I turn my back on the club? So many pay- people who have a problem with the the people who own us were, were doing that. But I'm still not turning my back on the club, but I'm certainly not going to, you know, bend over and start twerking for a, a regime because that, that's not happening. That ain't what I do. Yeah. And, and that is, I think, the fence that a lot of people are quite happy with at the moment. It's where to connect and where to disconnect, isn't yeah. it? And I think yeah. that's a really difficult thing for because it's it is sport and you are a club. And so that's why I think the sort of the the mix between business and sport and again a club and people who don't have a choice because that's the thing, isn't it? That is the choice. I challenge anyone, and there's even just a small handful of Newcastle fans. I challenge anyone who was presented with the opportunity to never go and watch your club again, never enjoy a cup final mm. again. It, it, money, money at the moment is is what makes sport, and unless you want to full change, it's not going to happen in this country, because there's just too much intertwined. The government getting involved, the fact that there's a relationship with Saudi Arabia there, the fact that yeah. holidays to Dubai well, makes all it the because time, doesn't it? It's exactly, amazing. and and you just think about it and go, how can you possibly remove yourself from this without turning your back on football? altogether yes i agree and i I think that's what i will bang this drum to the end is that it's it's down to you you can have as much money as you want but if you can only spend so much Mm. and truly only spend so much then it it will keep us all together a little bit Uh, and there's already a broader problem there with i mean this is the other thing is like the idea of a of a of a country or of a league like the problem we've got now is that say that the top six seven that's essentially, you know, if you imagine the Premier League, the Premier League, when you look at La Liga and all the other leagues, they're the top six of that. So, you know, can that be brought down a little bit? Maybe not. But then within the league, again, it needs to happen. And there needs, this is the problem that the mix between sport and business, when you when it, money is involved and you need to keep making money and you want to keep making money, that's when people start to control stuff. See, see FIFA. It's like yeah, yeah. top top of the game is is corrupt from it. You know, everywhere down from there is still corrupt. You've got a World Cup in Qatar. There's a high chance that Saudi Arabia will put a bid in for a World Cup, and they will get that mm. because football is desperate for it. And it's just like ah, uh, what can we do? What can so, we do? So the question I'm going to ask you, uh, yeah. which we will will be answered after the the break that's about to come up, is. Are you enjoying the way that Newcastle are putting this all together? Because they do have all the money, but they haven't spent it all yet. So we got that out of the way. It needed to be discussed. And yeah. I think, well done for, because I always think, you know, I always think about how things feel. And I do have such sympathy for Man City fans and for Newcastle United fans because you are just that's that sort of feeling of cognitive dissonance is just chucked on you and you've got to carry it everywhere you go. And two, you just, just want to enjoy your team. Right? Two very similar things as well, though. Man City came from like 
right at the bottom. They were having their worst period ever, and then suddenly it just clicked. Newcastle, maybe not so much, but we went through it to get there. Yeah. And I don't think that anyone should have to pay their way to do that. It's like, oh, well, how hard have you had it before you get it? It's like when people say, oh, you think yours was bad? Look at Macclesfield Town. I'm yeah, like, yeah. well, no. Like, well, I do that. I'm good. Yeah, that. you can do that. You can do that. But, <laughs> no, I'm but, yeah. for that one, but, but it's true. It's like, yeah. come on, like relative situations well, here. Well, the thing that I find interesting with it is that, again, perception's everything. Or, oh, it feels like it's everything. And when you talk rags to riches, it, even Wrexham, I was chatting to my mate about Wrexham the other day, and I was going, oh, like literally three weeks ago, he's going, wow, what story, I love it. And now they're going, now that it looks like they're going to go up, he's going, oh, hang on a minute, they've bought it. <laughs> and I was saying that to him four weeks ago. And for Newcastle, you're, you're sort of, you've left, you've left rags, yep. but you're not at riches just yet in terms of what you're receiving in terms of win after win after win. Yeah. And it's rags to Matt Ritchie is what we call <laughs> rags to Matt. Very good. Well, there we go. We've got our title, rags to Matt Ritchie. So I think what I always think is going to be interesting is not this year, maybe not even next year. But I think the year after. That's when when you are riches, or, or well, we'll talk about that now. That's when it will be interesting to see how everyone starts to to turn on you, and that'll be a new thing that you'll have to deal with, and that's just a thickening of the skin, probably. Yeah. But in terms of the, I'll take some time for yeah, all of our fans. Yeah, I bet. Me. It's hard. But the money spent so far, yeah. um, it's been, it's felt smart, hasn't it? Yeah. It's felt really, really smart. And I think that's what's made this season even more enjoyable for, and palatable actually, probably for the rest of us. I, I enjoy it more because my biggest worry, and I think I said this before any takeover was happening, even when it was mooted for the first time, it was like, I kind of, despite everything, I enjoy Newcastle being the team that isn't expected to beat your Man United's Chelsea's or anything like that because it made those days even bigger. Like, I was at the 4-4 against Arsenal and that was just like, oh, God, 4-0, really? And then you're there and you're like, will this be as good if we've got big signings in our team like that? But then again, I think any comeback is always good, but that one certainly won't be topped in the way it happened. Um, Do you know how it will feel, by the way? It will feel, the, the season you went up, from the championship, yeah, and you won it, and you won it pretty easy, yeah. You know, like the final day is great, but there were some games along the way where you knew you were going to win them, and and I always say there's this balance between amount of goals you get to receive and the like potency of which you can like celebrate it. And we, I think we see that with Man City now, and I think understandably so to a point. Like when it, if it gets to that point where it's just like. 5-0, 6 They still make it hard. And I think that in a way, that's the joy of, of what Man City have got right now. It's that they've got a manager who is unpredictable. They can take it to the line, but they have that the the, the chase is is in them. You know, the, the clutch gene, as they say, it's in there. And it's like, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe they can do it again. And that's exciting. So surely they're enjoying that right now. Obviously they've had the, the Holland thing going on. I don't think Newcastle will ever tire of that. I really don't think anyone I mean, will ever tire of it because we've got the foreseeable. For well, sure. it, looking at the ticket situation though, you know, Man City can't fill out their grounds. Mm. Newcastle currently are bursting at the seams and people who've had season tickets can't get back in. It's getting very, very fierce when it comes to that. Same thing went for the cup final that actually had to buy land back off the council to see if we can expand the stadium that we love so much. Mm. I, to answer your question from before, I, I'm enjoying it more right now. And yeah. I, I, I think that, really that makes sense. I think that the way in which we were kept up last season, the overachieving of this year, I don't think, you know, we, we spoke on the podcast this week about credit in the bank. Eddie Howe's probably got enough credit to last him another 12 years, really, based on what's happened so far. So 
I'm enjoying it more. Yes. Uh, will it will it get less enjoyable? Probably not because we're still improving. We're still going to get better. It's, I think also the big thing is it's about, as a fan, you want to kind of complete it. And I, I actually do think, again, it's something we spoke about on the previous pod, but there is something in maybe go just go complete the Europa League level. And then, because then you've still got, you can still see the chance. It's like, it's like football it. manager, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like, I'm going to take a team and yeah, okay, I'll, I'll keep them up. And oh yeah, we'll, we'll start ruffling the feathers of the top six, <laughs> maybe get into Europe. Who knows? Just yeah. like Eddie Howe's like, it's so unpredictable. He's like, oh, what, what, what's going to happen next? Because you know? you've jump started a little bit, you know, what, what, like super quick question. If Steve Bruce, is, sorry, if the consortium doesn't take over, you're, you're a championship club right now, aren't yeah. you? Um, right? Would you have stayed up? You were rock bottom. We... Oh, from the end of that season, yeah. Um, I don't know how much longer Steve Bruce would have stayed. But do you still think you would have got out of that? I reckon Ashley would have done an Ashley and got someone in. Well, you said you think Eddie Howe would have taken it anyway. I think he was the first choice because of his, his, I guess, his level at the time. Yeah. He was out of the game. He'd turned down Celtic and... Um, he was still very much improving. Perfect fit for Newcastle at the time without the money. Mm. And having Eddie Howe in there with what we now know he could do. He's you know, kind of grown with you, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the concerns about Eddie Howe were he's got no plan B, his defence isn't great, you'll attack forever, but, you know, eventually it'll come crashing down. And it was it was shown in the first few weeks before we could buy anyone in that January. But from the minutes, and he wasn't even on the touchline because he had COVID on that first game, the 3-3 against Brentford, Joel Linton was a different man, Callum Wilson was playing without shackles. I, I honestly think that there was instant things there that, that could have changed and um, he'd have been a perfect fit. Yeah, I, I, yeah sure. initially I thought I was thinking, you know, where would Eddie Howe be now if he hadn't, you know, if that hadn't have happened, but you, may, you might be right. I, I wonder if I'd like to know how important an owner is to him. Because yeah. he might have gone. I'm not sure this is the right one just yet. Let's wait for Leicester, whatever it might be. Like you can see if it's out. You can see if it's a few of those teams at that time. I can see that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what about Dan Ashworth? Was a, lo- a lot of people best you know, signing we've made. Well, yeah, I, I'd love to hear because in terms of these people now, as football fans, we need to be smart enough to understand that these people are crucial. Mm-hmm. Like they're possibly more important. Now you can never get it completely right. But Dan Ashworth, for those of you who don't know, was sort of in, he instilled this England DNA. For those who don't remember far back enough, England just were terrible at football and uh, weren't sort of we weren't um, we were just getting totally outplayed despite having obviously quite a prominent league. He then went to Brighton, did wonders there in terms of setting up their recruitment stra- strategy. We're sort of you know we're seeing that the, um, the flowers of that right now, and, and Newcastle United have gone and gone and got him, and you like. You know, when we're talking about Joe Kinnear and Dennis Wise, this is the thing. I think, in, you know, in football, luck plays such a huge part. But when people come into your football club, if you can go, I get it, then that's huge. And and Dan Ashworth, I mean, even with those those initial signings, look, Isak, 65 million, that's a lot of money. But he's, you know, he's a very, he's a perfect, there's a clear profile, I think, when in terms of those attacking players that you bring through, there's a sell on there. It doesn't work out, but they obviously have a talent to them. Gordon, I think up for grabs for me. I wonder if you've, you might have wasted a pick there, but again, you're going to be able to get the resale value. Uh, Chris Wood was, at that moment in time, you needed someone to sort of be a bit of a target man for you. Did you overpay? I think he definitely did. We got, it back. we got it back. We got it back <laughs> now. Somehow got it back. <laughs> and and Guimaraes, who you know at the time, you know, 
proud to say on the JLA channel, instead, this guy's a joke. And he's even better than I, th- I thought he was going to be. And 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 you were saying that, was it Dan Ashworth with that one? Or Dan well, Ashworth since then? Dan Ashworth wasn't involved on any yeah. of those. So the January transfer window of last season, you had um, a, a interim guy who I think was involved at Celtic. He came in and he went and that that was part of it. But... Doing the deals in that, you had Amanda Stabley and Merdad doing like the this is the club. You had Eddie Howe pretty much working as director of football in having a say with the likes of uh, Dan Byrne and, and Target, others yeah. and Matt Target and, and wanting Trippier. And um, yeah, as, as we mentioned on the, the podcast earlier in the week, uh, Bruno wasn't uh, an Eddie Howe choice. So that was coming down to that being like, well, you know, what's this guy going to bring to the table? But then Dan Ashworth comes in this season. And... So an element of fortune then in terms of it, well, broadly, in terms of like Little having bit, yeah. the foundation with which you can now utilise Dan Ashworth. Mm. But again, it's like, you know, country comes in. Country comes in, oh, they're going to throw loads of cash at it, wait for Robinho to rock up. It's just not. It's not being you. It's not being played out that way. They're being very smart. We're fortunate that that happened with Man City in those early years. It was like you can't just do it, and you don't need these these sexy signings. But you know now now Bruno is becoming our, you know every every signing that we made, no matter how how little we knew about them, it was becoming like oh is this going to be our company? Is this going to yeah, be our company? Sure. Here we go. This is company. And yeah, um. Look, Dan Ashworth came in, and I think what Dan Ashworth did, which was the biggest part, without even doing it, he took the attention away from uh, Amanda Stavely and Medad and, and Jamie Rubin involved in that because everyone was saying, oh, look at these guys. They don't even know what they're doing. They've said they want Unai Emery, and now they're not going to get him, and now anyone who comes in after that is going to know their second choice. Still got Eddie Howe. It's worked out. Mm. Likewise, with going for players and, and people saying that Newcastle don't know what they're doing in these negotiations. People don't want to deal with them. But, you know, there was word on the street that they were apparently excellent in these negotiations, despite being very new to it. Now, Dan Ashworth's there, and you saw it with the announcement of Anthony Gordon. You know, him, Darren Eales, who's the, the CEO now of the, the club, and there was a few others involved, sitting down at a table watching a video about Newcastle United. Fans lost their minds looking at the photos going... He's made a PowerPoint. He's made, he's made a PowerPoint <gasps> for the club, guys. We've got PowerPoints. Dan Ashworth, genius. You know, you know, he's, he's making it on Windows 2014 or something like that. But he's like, yeah, bit, bit of word out in there and things, you know. But yeah. but that's that's the little things that that have changed. And Dan Ashworth's interview on the the YouTube channel, we were like, hang on a minute. The new director of football is getting an interview as if we've just signed, like, you know, the, the biggest thing in football. He sat there for 12 minutes talking about what's going to happen. And this is it. You know, before, Mike Ashley was like the Iron Curtain. You didn't have a clue what was going on. You couldn't yeah. say anything bad about the club. And if you did, even in, like, podcast realms, you couldn't really get close to the club. Now it's like, all down, get the YouTubers in, let's mm. chat about it, let's get them out there. And okay, a bit of that will come down to the image of the ownership, of course, but it's it's changed it for the better. Dan Ashworth has, it's it's a real, real benefit. And when he does his interviews as well, it's just captivating, I think. Well, yeah, well, because you're providing a bit of transparency there. Do you think it's of use that he's not a Newcastle fan? Do you think that'll make your, your hero on merit? Not, Probably. You know, not because you're just, so again, someone who kind of knows the club. Yeah, I mean... We don't need a, a backroom team of, of old Geordies, you know, like 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 the media said at one point. You no, know, we don't like Southerners, but now we've got more than we have uh, actual Northeast people in there. You know, Graham Jones is just flying the flag on his own with the, with the occasional uh, Canny or Hawaii, and then the rest of them are uh, are all you know. Oh, I do. So 
I think I don't think it matters anymore. Mm. We just have to. The, the thing we were told with Dan Ashworth and and everyone else, we got told what they did. And every journalist, every great journalist who writes for the Northeast at the minute was like, you cannot get a better guy in football right now than this one because of what he's done. Likewise with Darren Eels showing what he did at um, Atlanta over in the MLS, you know, creating a brand. And that's the thing that I think is the hardest part. I don't think Man City have yet cracked the whole worldwide brand. They're getting there, but it's going to take them a long time. Whereas Newcastle fans are already crazy for this black and white brand, you know, it's different. It's in your face. You've got St. James's Park, an imposing place on that skyline. Um, and if Darren Eels can get us going in a different country, then, you know, already we're, we're halfway there. So mm. that, that's what we need now. If you get that, uh, get to the Champions League, unbelievable uh, yeah. achievement this year. And we will talk about some players that could, could be there and some will stay, some will go. Just to go to Eddie Howe for a second. Do you think him getting into the Champions League could be detrimental to him? Now, I remember Andre Villas both saying this uh, maybe a couple of seasons ago. He did brilliantly with Marseille, and he got them from nowhere. Got them into the Champions League. They then got knocked out of at the group stage, and he sort of said that he went, "You've almost got to succeed to then fail." And the change in expectation for Newcastle with Eddie Howe as the manager—that's always the the guy who can go, and. Do you fear for Eddie Howe over the next 18 months if you make it into the Champions League? Because I think the one thing I would get... People fickle. People are super, super fickle. I'm just intrigued to see. That will be the, the one thing that the ownership haven't had to do yet is decide when's the right time to do it. Yeah. So, And literally every other club in the Premier League who've had new ownership... You know, let's look at... You know, Everton certainly, Southampton certainly, This is even this season. Leeds United always kind of... Not quick, but ruthless enough to kind of let someone like a legend like Bielsa go. Do you think Eddie Howe? Do you think he? How far do you think he can grow with Newcastle United? And if there comes a point where he is one to go, is there this superstar manager that you would like? Is there anyone in your mind? What? How do you see the future of the management position? I think for me and most Newcastle fans, we want uh, a Sir Alex. We want someone who is going to be there and, like you said before, grow with the club. We're already seeing it as it goes at the minute. And I don't think that, you know, any of the frustrations that come after Newcastle lose, I don't think anyone's really going after Eddie Howe yet because it'll depend on on how he gets on with these bigger signings. So as more come in, we we, we wondered, is he going to be able to deal with the likes of, of Bruno and, and Sven Botman? But he's got them, he's harnessed them and he's their manager now. And, you know, we saw the, the little you know, um, fight on the touchline with um, Eddie Howe and Anthony Gordon. Anthony Gordon already kicking off because he's getting taken off early. But immediately Howe was round him. Matt Ritchie was having a word. Loads of mentions for Matt Ritchie today, but, you know, he, the man <laughs> deserves it. The man deserves it. What a Been through a lot. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, like, I think that Eddie Howe is, is, is learning more as he goes as well. And, you know, Eddie Howe hasn't done the Champions League yet. Right, okay, well, put him in the Champions League, see what he does. Yeah. Eddie Howe in a relegation fight. Didn't work for Bournemouth. Oh, yeah, well, he saved Newcastle and he got a few transfers in, but it was wise and it was done well. Eddie Howe is about to potentially get Newcastle in the Champions League. He's breaking down yeah. each and every challenge that comes his way. So, at the minute, that's the credit that he's building up and he's still not done anything yet. Yeah. That's the mad thing. I, I think that needs to be remembered as well when it comes to management. Is You know, look at Tottenham. Uh, go get the guy, Conte. Go get the guy, Mourinho. Being at the top of the tree, 
you've lost hunger. You have to have lost hunger a little bit or a bit of exuberism. Exuberance, sorry. Yeah. Exuberism. Yeah. Wow. Uh, exuberance. And that is the, the thing I like about Eddie Howe. And I think management in 2023, you have got to be so smart. You've got to be so hardworking. You've got to be so open as well to developing yourself. And I think that's why managers who have been great players, I think that's why they're struggling a little bit. Yes, they generally might have that idea of it, but to, the ability to sort of understand players and to allow them to develop in a way that's far more grey than practising more. Mm. I think that's something that Eddie Howe clearly has gone, he's had that understanding that success isn't linear and he's gone, oh, God, well, actually, I was bloody successful at, Bur at Bournemouth. Yeah. But it ended in one failure. I'm going to go away, figure out what I'm good at, what I'm not as good as good at. I think, you know, big part of his career and his development is going and seeing what Diego Simeone was doing at Atletico Madrid and seeing someone who is different, so different to you as a person and as a manager and being open to that. And I agree with you. I'm completely rooting for him because I think when it comes to the Champions League and him being able to embark on that, I think it'll be I think it'll be huge for the likes of Will Still and Mick Beal and my, maybe less Michael Carrick who's obviously had a wonderful career. But those guys who are It's the unglamorous footballer though. Yeah. It's it's yes. not it's not your like Michael Which Carrick. Which for me is the best manager. Yeah, Michael Carrick compared to let's say David Beckham, you know, David Beckham's the name, Michael Carrick was always the he's a great player, but he he doesn't do anything else. It's just like, yeah, because he's got his head screwed on. James Milner, you know, same thing. Yeah, yeah. He's not this like flash guy. In the same way that I think Messi always is gonna be the greatest because of the the way that he goes about it. Mm. He's got that mentality, you know, people he, say Mes he's Lionel Messi would be a it. terrible manager. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he? Would he? Would he? I think he'd be awful. Yeah. He'd be absolutely but then I awful. I don't think he needs... Ronaldo, awful he manager. Neither of those need to go into management, though, do they? Which Fact. is, yeah. Ed, But Eddie Howe is not your your manager that has got that. You know, you listen to him on other podcasts. He's done them before. He is very much data. You know, mm. he went away and mentioned PowerPoints. He was updating his slides yeah. and doing all that stuff before he even got to Newcastle. And I think that it's a real refreshing thing to see a manager go... Oh yeah, well, got it wrong, but I'm going to change. Yeah. I'm going to do better, which is why it was so frustrating with Steve Bruce. It was like, yep, I got it wrong, but that's the best we can do, you know. You know, just roll the sleeves up and dust ourselves down. And it was like, oh mate, like you don't have to be that honest all the time. Mm. You can you used to play for Manchester United for God's sake. Like, why aren't you a bit more like that? But no, no, no. It was just like, well, in injuries, you know. Like a, a big shrug. And now Eddie Howe's like, yeah, I got that wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's not good enough. And yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just lost to Villa. But you're damn sure that I do not think we're going to lose the next game because of what's happened. We we have now got a bounce back in us. And, and Eddie Howe bounced back from Bournemouth. He's, he's helping Newcastle bounce back from threatened relegation. And if we don't get Champions League, we'll bounce back from that. Bounce back from the League Cup final. Bounce back ability, as Ian Dowie said once. Right, exciting bit. Transfers, players, splashing all the cash. Might not do that. From some of the things I've seen in terms of FFP, it feels like because the revenue in hasn't been <laughs> that impressive, and that is the disconnect between the first team and the rest of the squad, which, you know, like Jacob Murphy, no disrespect to him, he's been incredibly functional for the team. He's not a Champions League player, in my opinion. Um, 
how do you see it working out in terms of if you get into the transfer into the sorry Champions League? Do you think that it will need to be smart free transfers, or do you think they will they'll find a way around it? Um, I think the ruthless side of Newcastle will come out. I, I think that it kind of happened last season. We're still we're still struggling to shift on some of those those players, and I think that'll be the. This is the thing. Newcastle are going to go through, and we've said this on on our our podcast as well. Newcastle are going to go have to go through several heartbreaks now, because. Will Miguel Almiron be there in 10 years' time? Probably not. Callum Wilson will probably finish his career at Newcastle United, but he probably won't finish it scoring every single or starting every single game. Um, Sean Longstaff as well, is he going to be one of these players? He's instrumental in the team, and we saw his you know omission on, on Saturday being being really detrimental. Yeah. But, but is there a better player out there than Sean Longstaff? Possibly. Or will another player coming in make him improve even more so? Um I, it's going to be hard, but every Newcastle fan will not have a bad word to say about any of the players who are around at the moment mm. because they did the stuff. Even Jamal Lascelles, you know, he's, he's managed to get two yellow cards this season without even being on the pitch. <laughs> Amazing, incredible! That's exactly what we want. That's what you want. Players on the sidelines who are rooting for this team. And okay, I would like to see Newcastle with a brilliant bench of five players who currently start for us. Thinking, right, you know, you can bring Almer on. You know, you can bring Longstaff on at some point. Any of those players, perfect yeah. for coming on, but we do have to improve. Jacob Murphy, fine example. Dan Byrne, probably not going to be your first choice left back. Matt Target, even then, some more. You know, we're going to have to go and try and look at these players. Um, and and getting Champions League is going to be the way that we do it. But um, mm. yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting that one. Yeah, I think it changes regardless. I think so. One, you know, in terms of developing players and players, maybe that could be sold now. Dare I say it, Joe Linton. Is there something in this? You know, is We'd it when we get out at the right time? The market value in, at start twenty twenty two was twelve million. Is market value now is thirty four million? I honestly don't think so. I think that he's he's got himself in. I mean, the biggest aim for Joe Linton now is to get into the Brazil team. That would be massive for him, and it would be a, a you know talk about fairy tale stories. My God, that's going to be a big one if he gets yeah. into Brazil. Um, but you know what? With him and Bruno. It's it's like two players there who, if you take the other one away, yeah, it's going to change the entire outlook of the team. I I I don't think Joe Linton gets sold. I, I think he Alan Maximum potentially mm. because there are question marks over his fitting into the team. You know how how got. Some of his comments got taken out of context, saying um, Alexander Isak isn't a player who gets ninety minutes for this team. And in everyone's mind is thinking, what, has he got like injury prone? Why have we why have we signed this guy for sixty five million? But what he meant was he went, No, no, in my game, in the game that we're playing, Isak doesn't get ninety minutes because right. I want to change it. He needs time to have seventy minutes going at it. If it's not working, then we change it up. So Maximan has on and off days, but I, I definitely think that he's probably towards the top of the list of players who will have to be a, a hard goodbye. Um and you know he still divides opinion. People being like, "Oh, he's lazy," but then people are like, "Oh, he's magic." And yeah. can we afford to have a player like that on our books? It's going to be hard in the future. I think as well the problem with him, you imagine, is he's he's a star. Like yeah. you know, he's infuriating, but he is a star. Typical French winger for Newcastle. We've had them all: <laughs> Ginola, Lauren Robert. We've had Hatem Ben Arfa, and then it's Alan San Maximan. Every yeah. single one of them are on the ball players. Absolutely love it when they're on it, and they despise it when they're not. There's no Stefan Givash in, in Alan <laughs> Stefan. And I think with that, he's like, you know, he can't, 
he can't sit on the bench. No. Like he has to be a starter for whoever he's playing for. And he, he played a key role in kind of giving you something to hold on to when mm. you had n- no attacking wherewithal at all. Great play for Steve Bruce, terrible play for Eddie Helm. Yeah, and yeah, that, really that, good That's point. the way it goes. Craig Hope from the, the Daily Mail says that all the time. It was Sam Axelman can be your star in a team that is managed by Steve Bruce, but but right now he's not going to be the star because Eddie Howe doesn't have one star. Mm. He's got several. Yeah. And he wants them all to be that. And I think I think the thing as well is that, that with the, the whole, it, it's not one, it's not going to be one star. There's not going to be one star. It's just not acceptable no. anymore, isn't it, for you? In terms of, as I say, players maybe coming through the door. Mm. If we're looking at sort of players on the chip, Makuku, in terms of a youngster with an unbelievable profile, looks so exciting. I know, obviously, like I think PSG and Barcelona are interested in him, but being able to get around it. Because I think one thing that we've said there is, in terms of having to maybe make those tough decisions and sell someone that you'd like to just retain, that's part of what we want, really. We want it to be kind of earned where you go, well, actually, no, this doesn't fit FFP. So we're going to have to sell him to go and get him. Like that is one of the sort of like, uh, you know, you can't just have it all. That's the whole point. And I think, again, I think you'd be with me on that because I think you want to do it the the right way. Right? Be, and the right a, way needs to be available to, you know. Gotta, and, there's got to be a method to respect it. And, and the thing that wasn't there with Mike Ashley was any method behind it. It was like, oh yeah, we'll sell Andy Carroll. Oh, cool. 30, 30 million. Brilliant. How are we going to spend that? Uh, I've run out of time. Sorry, guys. And it's like, what, so we've, we're stuck with Leon Best. Yeah. Seriously, no offense to Leon Best, he was he was excellent on his day. Um, but yeah, it was a, a few a few good months. But mm. that's the, that's the truth. It's like with Mike Ashley, you thought right, you're going to sell, but what are you going to do? Whereas now it's like right, we're going to get rid of San, Alan San Maximan, and people are like oh, joking. Right, okay, cool, fine. Who are we going to get? Oh, James Madison. Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's six, the difference. Alan, right. look, you've been great. Let me drive you to the airport. And when it comes to the profiles of these players, I think there will be that. I think it's a nice mix to be had, quite possibly, because you want the squad depth to be there. And if you've got Champions League football, you've got more games. You've, and if you've got more games, then you can offer up more games to these players. So I think you're right when, let's say, James Madison is one that's certainly been spoken about. Uh, Anana, if Everton go down, I think there's a few players from teams that if they do go down... Newcastle might be on the prowl. James Ward-Prowse, I think, would be amazing for you guys yeah. as well. Um, Imagine the, the the free kick specialists we've got, oof. Trippier and Ward-Prowse in our team. <laughs> Do you know, Trippier would be fuming with that. Uh, <laughs> even players like Anthony Robinson, uh, I think, would be a really good fit for you. Again, right kind of profile. But then some of those older guys, guys maybe, or you know, people on a Bosman. Cancelo could be a little, little bit of stardust. Might be a bit of fun. And we, we can you know, chat about it for a second. Sorry, can I just take a moment? Cancelo yeah. in a Newcastle United shirt. Oh, my word. Right, okay, carry on. But <laughs> I, I also think, I think you're screaming. It screams Sadio Mane to Newcastle for me this summer. Just screams it for me. No? That would be a statement. Champions League, yes. Not Champions League, no. That man wants Champions League. Yeah. He wants to try and win it again. Um... I don't know. I just... Oh. It, 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 it's fun though, isn't it? <laughs> can you imagine though if he caught Man United? Well, it's a, yeah, it's a sort that, of Michael Owen well, it, rehashing. You know, if, if it's not Kane, then Sadio Mane, man scorned by Liverpool. Was he? Was he? Yeah, we, we don't I'm know how sure he feels scorned. about it. Yeah, yeah no, I, don't, I think he was ready to go, wasn't he? It, it, but I just can't see him going back there because they've got Nunez, they've got oh, no, Diaz, they've he, got Jota. He ain't going back to Liverpool. Yeah. He'll, he'll, yeah, he'll, he'll join a big six team or he'll go Real Madrid. Maybe. And well, I guess let's finish on that then. Where's Sadio Mane going? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I really wouldn't be surprised if he went to all. And then I was thinking, like Inter Milan, you know, maybe go to I don't oh, know, yeah, Juventus. You see him in Serie A. Yeah, exactly. Love it. Is is it still a big six? Oh God, no, no. What's the future? What are we calling it? It's a big ten. Yeah. Top top and bottom half. That's literally it. 
I think that's what you've got in the Premier League now. You've got your... There's no such thing as a middle-table team anymore because look at Villa. They're up there. Brighton are a middle-table... No, they're not anymore. Brentford as well. It is your... Who's in the top 10? Who's in the bottom 10? Because you look at the, the margins between the teams and the bottom now... Anyone, Newcastle last season went from the bottom up to finishing 10th and 10th was seen as 100 times better than 11th Mm. because if you're in that, if you're in that screenshot of the table in that top 10, people aren't looking about where you were in the relegation zone. Steve Bruce managed to get us up to about 10th and people were like, oh, good season, wasn't it? Mm. I think 10th is the goal and if you can get above that, then you are always in with a shout. Traditionally though, I think... Big six, it's probably down to a big two now. It was, it was Liverpool and Man- it's whoever. It's whoever. But is it keep- not the big seven now with you guys? Because you're not going to go anywhere, are you? But we could, we could force a big three. <laughs> right, I, you've I, got your eyes on a big three. I, th- I think, I think that that's a big bombshell moment at the end there. But I think it's whoever keeps up with Man City. There will always be a, a runner and a rider alongside them. Arsenal doing it this season. Liverpool did it. Liverpool pipped them to it as well. Man United are going to come back into it and it will just rotate. Man City will always be there. If we can get to what Man City are, then it will be us and them purely because of money. If Man United get their takeover, they will also be there. But as we are seeing with Arsenal at the moment, can a team that doesn't have that state backing behind it keep up? Do they, are they ever going to be able to do it? And again, maybe I'm just this is just on my mind. Can is this all about Pep? Like, is it is he he's actually the crown jewel in all of this? Oh yeah. Because when you say it's always going to be Man City up there, maybe it won't be until the next great manager comes along, and we don't know who that's going to be yet. I, I, yeah, I think City are always going to be the hardest one to get. Is it a top one? Is it the top one that Brian Clough used to speak about? <laughs> that's far less exciting, yeah, is it? Yeah. The top one. Wow, yeah. um, Emil. Thank you so much, mate. You're Appreciate it. I think Loved it's it. obviously an exciting time to be a Newcastle United fan. I think if they can get over that line, I think that team, that group and that manager gets remembered forever, regardless of, of winning a trophy or not, which is a, a nice place to be in, but is not going to be the future for Newcastle either. Um, let's just catch up annually and see how it's yeah, going. Yeah, let's see. We will, we will, we will. Um, guys, if you've enjoyed yourself, follow The Ripple Effect on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating as well. Thank you so much for joining us. Go check out the Topical Podcast if you haven't listened to that one and all the others in the back catalogue. They're all brilliant. (laughs) See you next time.